Today we're picking up a Leviticus series that we started earlier this fall. We'll be in Leviticus this morning and then we'll be wrapping up the series next week. Leviticus is a really hard Old Testament book. There's an awful lot of things in there that we just don't understand. And as we've gone through this series, I've usually put chapters in the bulletin for people to read ahead of the sermon. And usually on Sunday morning, people come in and say, what? What? What are you going to say? We find out now. So let's read. We're going to be reading from Leviticus 16 this morning from verse 1 to verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord from Leviticus. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark or else he will die because I appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. This is how Aaron is to enter the sanctuary area with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert as a scapegoat. This is God's word for us this morning. So there is a drama that may be getting played out in our nursery right now, and we've all seen it in different circumstances, but, but here's the general outline of how it plays out. I'll, I'll make up the details here, but you've all seen this. Little Adam wants something. He's at the grocery store with his mother, and they're going up and down the aisles and checking off things on the list and such. And when they come to the cereal aisle, Adam sees the sugar, choco bomb, sugar, 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 hyper frosting cereal. And he wants it. He wants it so badly. And his mother, his mother wanting her son to grow up healthy and relatively sane, says, no, son, we can't get that. And then she keeps going, but... But Adam, very sneakily, when mom isn't looking, grabs a box off the shelf, dumps it in the cart, and then he tries to pull the carrots and the apples over a little bit so they kind of cover the choco bombs in there. And they keep going through the aisles. When they get to the checkout, Adam's mom scans the carrots, scans the apples, and looks down and sees the choco bombs. And she looks at Adam and says, how did these get in here? And Adam didn't expect his clever plan to come undone like that, so he panics, and, and, and he passes the blame. He produces his stuffed animal bear that he's been dragging along this whole time, and he says, um, uh, Mom, it was, it, it was Bear's idea, but Bear made me do it. No, 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 I, did, I didn't even do it. Bear, Bear did it. Bear, Bear did it. Bear came to life, and he put the choco bombs in the cart. Bad Bear, bad Bear, sit in timeout, Bear. 
Now, that's a cute grocery store moment, at least if Adam isn't your kid, right? If he is your kid, oh boy. But underneath that childish nonsense is, is a denial and a passing of the blame that, that leads to terrible places. It's funny when a three-year-old does that. It's not funny when a 30-year-old does that, right? I, uh, I wouldn't have stolen that money from work if... Uh, if, uh, if my boss paid me enough, it's my boss's fault. Uh, I, wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have gotten in the car kind of drunk and driven if the taxi driver had gotten there on time. It's the taxi driver's fault. These little things that are funny when we're children, they add up and they add up and they become, well, they become really terrible things. Our little offenses build into bigger and bigger offenses, and in the end, our Sin and our guilt and our passing the blame and all of that becomes, leads to death. This text begins with death in sin, with the death that sin brings. It opens with a reference to Aaron's two sons who died when they approached the Lord. And and that story is from Leviticus chapter 10, a few chapters earlier. And Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, they were, they were Aaron's sons. They were the high priest's sons. And, and they decided one day that, that they were going to do worship their own way. And instead of following all the precise instructions that the Lord gave, they just took some incense containers and lit up some incense and went on into the tabernacle and started worshiping however they wanted. And Leviticus 10 says they offered unauthorized fire and then flames come out from the presence of the Lord and consume them and they die. Their sin leads inevitably to death. And we're going to be honest here for a moment. That sounds harsh and kind of mean to all of us, right? Even if in some level, on some level, we understand God's holiness and His purity and His power, deep down, that still doesn't sit real well with us. We, we have a hard time grasping how holy God really is and, and how, how our childish little offenses and how our great big offenses put us on a path away from the Lord and toward death. And we, we don't get that, and I don't know if I have time this morning to really dig into that and help you get that, but, but if we listen to the Scriptures, the Scriptures clearly tell us that, that we, are not, we are not right, and we, we can't enter God's presence as imperfect, unholy, we're going to do it our own way, people. If we bring sin into God's presence, we find death there. So this text opens with an implied question. It doesn't ask this question explicitly, but the question is, how can we, how can we enter the presence of the Lord? I mean, think if you were an Israelite back then, and and Aaron's own sons, the high priest's two sons, they were, if anybody should have been able to go into God's presence, it should have been them, right? And and they couldn't, And, and what, how can we? How can we find life in the presence of the Lord? And the answer that this text gives us is, well, it's about sacrifices and it's about 
the scapegoat. And you've probably heard the word scapegoat before, and Leviticus 16 gives us the original scapegoat. That's, that's where that word comes from. And if you aren't familiar with that term, well, when Adam panicked and, and tried to lay all the blame on his bear, he was making his bear into a scapegoat. Scape bear, I guess. We'll go scapegoat. He was saying, put the blame over there. That's where the blame belongs. And that's what we do when we scapegoat somebody or something. It's not my fault. Let the scapegoat carry the blame. So let's talk about the job of the scapegoat. In Leviticus 16, the Lord speaks to Moses, and and he begins by, by warning that nobody, not even Aaron the high priest, can just waltz into God's presence whenever they feel like. Anybody who just kind of wanders into that particular part of the temple where God's presence dwells, they're going to die. But there is a way that Aaron can enter. And then this chapter spells out all these rituals so that Aaron can enter the presence of God. And and really, this ritual brings all of God's people, not just Aaron, but all of God's people. It ritually, symbolically, ceremonially moves them from death to life. What we read in this text is a ritual that moves all of the Israelites into a place where they can be with the Lord. Now, on this day, Aaron has to, usually Aaron wore garments that looked royal because he represented God to the people. And and so they were fancy and they looked kind of king-like. And on this day, he has to take all those garments off. And he has to take a bath, and then he has to put on all these linen garments. And you may have wondered as we read through, why are all these garments linen? What? Why linen, linen, linen? Well, that's a slave's outfit. When the priest speaks to the people on behalf of God, he wears wears a royal outfit because he's representing God to the people. But in this instance, when the priest represents the people to the Lord, the priest goes not as a ruler, but as a slave, as somebody who really has has nothing to offer and depends on the grace of the master, of the Lord, of the people. And then Aaron has to sacrifice a bull for his own sin, and then he takes these two goats and he casts lots or rolls the dice or picks a random number to decide which goat gets sacrificed and which goat becomes the scapegoat. And the high priest sacrifices the first goat, and then a little bit later in this chapter, it gives some more details of the ceremony, and the high priest is supposed to put his hands on the head of that scapegoat. And he puts his hands on the scapegoat, and he confesses all the wickedness, and all the rebellion, and all the guilt, and all the sin, and all the blame that is due to the Israelites, and and he symbolically puts it on the head of that scapegoat, that poor goat, right? And then after that, someone has to take the goat and they lead the goat out into the wilderness away from the camp and they abandon it there. And the job of that ritual scapegoat is to carry the sins of the people off into the wilderness. The scapegoat is basically a spiritual garbage truck. Once a year, you back up the scapegoat, you load all the guilt and all the blame and all the stuff that we've accumulated over the year and you throw it on the scapegoat, and you take it out to the wilderness, which, which among other things in Scripture can tend to mean the garbage dump, the place where things go when they don't belong anymore. So every year, the high priest puts, puts his hands on the scapegoat and puts all the guilt of the people on this goat, and, and then they send it out. 
And that all makes perfect sense, right? Or maybe to us that makes no sense at all. If you read this text by itself, if, if you'd never read the Bible and you picked this up and you read it, you would just think this was weird, right? I mean, that poor goat. And, and how in the world does sending some animal out into the wilderness have anything to do with our lives? What? And, you know, in one way, it doesn't really make any difference. It's not a solution. Year after year after year, this, this ceremony has to come up again, and they send out another goat and another goat and another goat, and nothing really changes. A goat can't carry away guilt. It can't do it. This story doesn't give us, it doesn't give us the deeper reality yet. What it gives us is a picture a symbol, an image, a, a teaching moment to help us understand God's plan and how he intends to deliver us from death to life. So let's shift our focus to the real story. And, and the scapegoat here in Leviticus is really a, a picture, an acting out, a, an image, a symbol of the story of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true scapegoat. His work, the work of Jesus is to carry away our blame. The New Testament book of Hebrews in the New Testament, obviously it's a New Testament book if it's in the New Testament. Just so we're clear, Hebrews is a book in the New Testament. And in some respects, that whole book is just a commentary on the book of Leviticus. And when it comes to this particular ceremony, the, well, Hebrews has a lot to say. But here's, here's the summary. In the Old Testament, Year after year after year after year after year, the high priest had to do this thing. He had to sacrifice the bull. He had to do the other sacrifices. He had to put his hand on the goat. He had to send the goat out, and, and nothing changes. The people keep sinning. The blame and guilt keep adding up, and it's not really dealt with. But then as we celebrated this week at Christmas, Jesus comes. Jesus comes. Jesus, the great high priest and the great sacrifice and the great scapegoat, Jesus comes and he brings us from death to life. In the work of Jesus, the Lord carried all of our sins out into the wilderness once and for all. And because Jesus is our scapegoat, all our guilt, all our all of our wrongness before God is not with us anymore. It is out there. It is carried off. It is taken care of. And because of Christ's sacrifice, because Christ is our scapegoat, we can live. Ernest Gordon was a British prisoner of war in World War II, and he, he wrote a book about that experience later, and there's a story that's in a couple Tim Keller books, so some of you might know this, but, but Gordon spent several years in a Japanese work camp, and the conditions were terrible. The guards mistreated the prisoners, there was disease just all over, there was never enough food, conditions were awful, and the prisoners lived, well, lived in the rat race. They would do anything they had to for themselves, and if someone else got in the way, well, too bad for them. It was looking after number one. But then a day came that 
that there was a particular work detail, and a couple guards took out a group of prisoners, and they had, to, they had to work on a road, and they worked hard, manual labor all day, and then at the end of the day, they gathered the prisoners, and they counted up the tools, and one of the shovels was missing. One of the shovels was missing, and if you are a prison guard, you do not want your prisoners to have shovels, right? That's an escape attempt in the making. So one of the guards demands that, that you confess. Whoever took the shovel, confess. And he lines up all the prisoners, and none of them will talk. And he rants and he raves, and, and no one is stepping forward, and no, confess, no one is confessing. And finally, he puts his gun to his shoulder and says, then you all die. All die. And finally, one man steps forward and says, I took the shovel. And the prison guard kills him on the spot, beats him to death. And they go back to the camp, and they count the tools up again, and all the shovels are there. There was never a shovel missing. They had just miscounted. But that one particular soldier, when, when faced with all of them dying, stepped forward and, and became the scapegoat. He gave his life to save these other prisoners, not because they were his family, not because they were close to him, but, but because he felt like that was what the right thing to do was. He became the scapegoat to deliver them. And that action transformed the whole camp. The prisoners who were there, the prisoners who heard of it, realized that, that they had to live differently and that they could live differently. That one scapegoat changed everything for many, many people. Jesus is our scapegoat. And the great difference is that when we're all standing in that line, we are all guilty. Every single one of us is guilty, and we deserve the blame and the punishment. And there's only one person in the whole lineup of humanity who was innocent, and that was Jesus. And, and he was the one who stepped forward and said, put the blame on me. Put the blame on me. Jesus took the blame for us and he died a miserable, terrible, horrific death to save us. Jesus is our scapegoat. And because of Jesus' work, because of the atoning work of Christ, our sins are carried away and we can enter God's presence. The atoning work of Christ moves us from death in sin to life in Christ. And that's our final point for today, life in Christ. And there were all kinds of applications I thought about drawing out of this text for our lives in Christ today, but, but I decided to stick with two. So two ways that we live out this life that Christ has given us today. Come back next week for more. We'll wrap up Leviticus, but for today... Two applications. First, the first way to live out the life that Christ has given us is, is to put the blame on Jesus. Put the blame on Jesus. Just like the high priest put his hands on that scapegoat and, and put all the wickedness and all the sin and all the guilt and all the blame of the Israelite people on that scapegoat. Each of us can go and, and put the blame on the Lord Jesus, and then Jesus 
takes it away. In the later Jewish tradition, a little bit before the time of Jesus, they they developed some additional rules around this this ritual. And one thing was that whoever took the scapegoat out couldn't just kind of take the scapegoat out and let him go. He actually had to take the scapegoat to a cliff and push the goat off the cliff. You don't want to be a scapegoat, right? But the point was that you did not want that guilt and that blame coming back to God's people. And so when you took the goat out, it was your job to make sure it was not going to come back. Well, some of us, not all of us, but, but some of us just can't get over our guilt. We're still blaming ourselves. We're still feeling like we're just not good enough. But the work of Jesus is to take away our sin. Our guilt went over the cliff of death and down into the grave with Jesus Christ, and it does not come back. So put your sin on Jesus. Put your guilt there and leave it there. Stop trying to be your own sacrifice or your own scapegoat. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop all the excuses and the denial and the self-justification and And just admit that you have done wrong. Admit that you have done wrong and own the glorious reality that Jesus Christ has taken away your guilt. I know this sounds wrong, but put the blame on Jesus and let him carry it away. That's what this story is about. It's it's a picture. It's God saying to us, Put the blame on me. I have taken it for you. Let Jesus carry your guilt away. And second application, stop chasing after sin. Stop chasing after sin. God has has dealt with our guilt, and we still have this enduring wrongness about our lives that God is, is working to deliver us from, but so often we're still chasing after sin. You know, I've wondered, and maybe this gives you an insight into my head that you shouldn't have, but, but I've wondered sometimes as the Israelites were watching that goat being let out, if some of them thought, you know, that goat looks pretty tasty. These are not a people who had a lot of meat in their diet. And so, so I wonder if some people thought, you know, they're just going to take that out there and leave it out there. What if we go out later and we have a little bit of a goat snack? How, how does that sound? And it, that probably would be a terrible idea for all kinds of reasons. But, but so often in our lives, okay, we know Jesus took the guilt away, but, but then later we, we sneak out and we find our sin back. And we know it's bad for us. We know we should give it up. But, but it's fun. But, but it helps. But, but, but I just don't want to give it up yet. So often in our lives, we're out there, yes, Jesus took my guilt away, and, and then we're out there chasing our sins and wanting, wanting them back. And we are never free from that impulse in this life, but, but as the end of this year draws closer, I invite you, I, I urge you to look at your life and to reflect on, on how there might be ways that you, are trying to, that you are trying to pay for your own guilt, 
and how there might be ways that you are going back to your sin. And to look at those things and to look to Jesus and to recognize that Jesus has paid it all and Jesus is the great sacrifice and Jesus went down into the grave so that we could be free, so that we could be free from sin and death and guilt. And don't, don't hear this as, uh, well, you know, catalog all your sins and all your guilt and just sort of wallow in that, but, but hear it as an opportunity to experience again the grace of Jesus Christ. As this year draws to a close, all of us have messed up, all of us have done terrible things that we don't want to talk to other people about, that we're embarrassed to even admit to ourselves, but, but in Christ we have true freedom from all of that. In Christ, all of that can be done. And so as this year draws to a close in your own life, put the guilt on Jesus. Let Him do His work. Let Him bring you back into God's presence. And then stay there. Live with Jesus. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You will find no greater good and no greater blessing. All of us who belong to Adam's race and to Christ's people can say with confidence, Christ took the blame for me. May all of us accept the atoning work of Christ, and may all of us live in the life of Christ. Let's pray. Father, so often your word is hard for us to truly grasp. Sometimes it's hard because the stories and the rituals and, and all of those things seem so alien to us and it's hard for us to unpack their meaning. But sometimes even when we understand the meaning of your scriptures, it's hard for us to really grab hold of them. It's hard for us to, to admit our guilt and for some of us, it's incredibly hard to let go of our guilt. We want to keep punishing ourselves when, when Christ has already borne all the punishment that was due to us. And so, Father, we pray that as each of us has need, we pray that you work in our hearts, work to help us accept and live into the work of Christ. And, Father, we pray that you bless us with increased freedom from sin, from increased joy in following your will. Give us grateful hearts and hearts that are, that are healed, that are made whole, that, that lead us to desire to do what is right, to put others ahead of ourselves, to follow in the way of Christ, to, to live in the life of the Spirit. Father, we confess that even today we have sinned. We confess that we are not perfect and we pray that you help us that you help us to become truly your children in thought, in word, and in deed, reflecting your glory and serving as your images in this world. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our great, wonderful, and gracious scapegoat. Amen.